Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. There's a really interesting new report out this week from Canada's largest bank, RBC, uh, looking at how Canada can, can balance all of this, that we can still in the short term increase our oil and gas production. Uh, but that doesn't mean we have to miss our climate targets. Uh, the report is called The New Climate Bargain, how Canada can manage energy and climate security. Uh, joining us uh, for more is one of the authors of this report. Uh, Colin Gilderman is uh, an economist with RBC, joins us on the line here this afternoon. Colin, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Like I say, I think this this is very timely because this is kind of the moment we're at where we've got these competing interests and maybe the perception that it has to be either or. So where does this report come in? Yeah, so I would say the context here is that, you know, we've been building a body of work at the bank that looks at climate change as a critical economic issue. And, of course, oil and gas is a critical economic sector for the country. We think this year it could be as much as 10% of national GDP. And when we started this effort, you know, Canada was facing an enormous challenge to decarbonize its economy to reach, you know, our near-term 2030 goal and our long-term 2015 at zero target. Today we have two goals. Energy security, which, you know, is being felt by Canadians across the country, you know, as they pay their gas bills for their homes and and at the pumps when they fill up their cars. But also, you know, remembering that we need to keep an eye on that long term challenge. And we think, you know, the storyline here is that oil and gas is going to remain a vital fuel, you know, both through transition and for, you know, a significant period of time as global population rises, energy demand will surge. And, you know, oil and gas is going to be part of the, the, you know, story for meeting that energy demand. So we need a long-term vision that transitions away from fossil fuels over the very, you know, medium and long-term, but one that recognizes the real near-term pressures that Canadians and, and households across the world are feeling as energy prices rise. Right. And, and I think, you know, that, that what we've seen recently and the impact of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, I think it, it, it does drive home the point that for now, the, the, these are the realities of our, our energy supply, that, that oil and gas are critical parts of that. Yeah. And I think that an important point to be made there, too, is that the solutions we have for getting off of oil and gas will take some time to deploy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are electric vehicles right now. There are supply chain challenges of getting them. You know, you can put in an order now, you might not get the EV for a year. The same goes, I think, for deploying, you know, en masse, these these renewable energy technologies, solar panels and wind. And those help, you know, in some ways get us off gas, but not all the way. You know, it's really hard to decarbonize airplanes, which use, you know, quite a lot of oil through jet fuel. Um, so we need to be deliberate about that. And that's what the report really tries to get at is that, that we need to, you know, do both. And how we can do that is remembering that Canada is a major oil producer and can produce more oil in order to loosen global supply constraints. The challenge, of course, is that there are levers we have to pull in the near term to make sure we don't miss our 2030 target. Unfortunately, a lot of technologies exist in the oil and gas space 
whether that be focusing on methane leak reduction or um, vapor recovery units or electrifying oil and gas production. Those are things we can do today to help sort of offset some of those near-term emissions rises, which we think could be as many as 9 million tons of additional uh, greenhouse gases if the industry responds, you know, in the way we think they can by raising production 500,000 barrels a day. Right, and that's the thing. So, you know, I mean, I think there there is there's an energy security impetus to Canada increasing its production, but that that additional production still comes with with emissions, and you know that that's something we're going to have to deal with. So, that that's what that that nine million tons would represent then an additional five hundred thousand barrels a day. Yeah, that's right, and and the challenge that that highlights is that you know if we want to continue to be an oil and gas producer through you know the relevant time frame for net zero which is the next 30 years we do need to accelerate effort to decarbonize our, our oil and gas industry to cut emissions on the upstream basis but what we also need to remember is that those technologies can be expensive mm-hmm. um so the report looks looks pretty intently at, at one technology that's really relevant for the majority of canada's oil production which comes from the oil sand and that's carbon capture utilization and, and sequestration technology, which effectively takes the carbon emissions out of the use of fuel. Um, we think that's going to be an extremely expensive thing. We, you know, we, we put a scenario out that says it can cost between 45 and $65 billion in the next eight years to decarbonize the oil sands to you know, the sort of Paris target level of reducing emissions by 40%. And it's going to add costs, which means that oil prices would have to average you know, $50 in the long term if we wanted to fully carbonize the sector with that technology. That's going to be challenging, but there are opportunities for, for governments to sort of support the industry as they do that. We think the challenge there is going to be making sure regulators and utilities and, you know, utilities commissions are all aligned. They're all at the same table and they're making strategic investments together. And we also need to ensure that, that you know, Western allies, the folks we sell our oil to, are committed to that vision of decarbonized Western oil production. And they can do that with these long-term energy alliances. And we've seen, you know, high-level U.S. political officials, the energy secretary, for example, suggesting similar ideas. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, signs of this. I mean, you know, there, there was a, a tax incentive in the recent budget for carbon capture and utilization. Uh, there's uh, there's the, the um, you know, the net zero, the pathway to net zero alliance with uh, six of Canada's largest oil sands producers. So th- there's that commitment, I, I think, to, to address emissions on the industry side. I, I think there's a commitment from government to recognize the value of, of technology and getting us there. Do, do you see that we're making progress to that end? Yeah, I think Canada is on the right path. You know, the industry is committed, as you mentioned, the Pathways Alliance. And government has made a couple of steps in the right direction. But where there's still a challenge, you know, in addition to some of these regulatory issues that I talked about just a second ago, is in uncertainty. So there's a couple of fundamental uncertainties when you're looking at some of these carbon capture projects or just decarbonizing the oil sands in particular. One is, you know, we don't know what global oil demand is going to look like or the price of of what a barrel of oil will be in 30 years. That's what these energy alliances might help address. So that's a political effort the government can take. Another challenge is that, you know, the the cash flow, the revenue streams from these projects often rely on carbon pricing to make any financial sense for a company to invest in. And right now, the path of of carbon pricing remains sort of uncertain. You know, it's determined by a complex political environment. It's determined by provincial systems, you know, for output-based pricing for large industry. And it's, you know, set at the highest level by the federal government's path to net zero 
emissions, which is also uncertain past about 2030. So all those uncertainties kind of pile up and they can paralyze, you know, an industry trying to make multi-billion dollar investments. So we really need, you know, every part of the federation, you know, local, provincial, federal governments and regulators and utilities working together to try to reduce uncertainty in the sector so we can mobilize that $65 billion of capital we'll need to invest in just the energy sector, let alone all the other parts of the economy that need to cut emissions and today. Yeah. Well, and I mean, what you're illustrating, I mean, clearly there, there's there's um, an urgency to all of this. You know, clearly there's a downside to ignoring climate uh, policy. Clearly there's a downside to ignoring uh, energy security. So the impetus of finding the right balance in an area where there's so much uncertainty, where there's political considerations, geopolitical considerations, that's a tricky needle to thread, isn't it? Absolutely. That's the, the crux of the whole report is just how challenging this really could be. But I think the, the message we want to really drive is that, you know, every Canadian has a stake in this issue. Every Canadian, you know, that owns a home or drives a car, or heats a house, uses fuel in one way or another, is facing the cost of energy insecurity today. And Canada can champion energy security for the West. And at the same time, we all have, you know, a vested interest in ensuring our country remains livable through, you know, the next generation. And that's going to require these difficult trade-offs between making investments in climate insuring investments and energy security insuring investments. But we can do that. Mm-hmm. We've set out a path. We've set out a, a way we think we can start down that path. Um, but ultimately, we need to make sure that every Canadian feels that they have responsibility for this. Indeed. Well, this latest study and previous research as well, uh, thoughtleadership.rbc.com. Colin, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. My pleasure. Thanks for your time. All the best. Likewise. Uh, That's Colin Gilderman, uh, an economist with RBC, co-author of this report. It's called The New Climate Bargain, How Canada Can Manage Energy and Environmental Security. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.